welcome to the In Reality Podcast. Now starting in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the In Reality Podcast, where we cover all things augmented and virtual reality. The In Reality Podcast is hosted by Joe Barty and Joe Johnson and features news, commentary, and perspective from industry veterans and experts. First up, introductions. I'm Joe Johnson, Creative Director at Markson Labs. And I'm Joe Barty, Communications Director here at Markson. And in this episode, we're going to check out Tim Cook's recent appearance on HBO's new Axios show, where he talks about a variety of issues, including accepting money from Google, data privacy and controls on their devices, gender issues in the Valley, Silicon, not the other one, and notably for us, augmented reality. We'll then be joined by Scott Perry, Vice President and Executive Director of Digital and Omnichannel Experience at Bob's Discount Furniture, which recently launched its own augmented reality app. We're excited to talk shop with someone way over our pay grade about the future, specifically retail's future. But let's get started with the vocal stylings of Mr. Tim Cook. Okay, so I think the way this is going to go is I'm going to, I have all the audio from that interview. Right. I think I'm just going to start playing it. Okay. Hey, guys. Morning. How are you? Ina? Great to see you. So great to see you again. It's great to see you. Yeah. It's my first time here. Yeah, it's pretty cool, isn't it? If you're not sure. Uh, so these stools, like we feel like we're in the genius bar. <laughs> Something we share is that we're both early risers. You yeah. rise when and you do what? Well, I, I rise a bit before four. I like to take the first hour and uh, go through uh, user comments and, and things like this that, are, that sort of focus on the external people that are so important to us. And then I go to the gym and uh, work out for an hour because it keeps my stress at bay. I've heard you say this is a lonely job. Do you worry that some of these products cause loneliness and detachment? Uh, I'm not, I don't think the products themselves do, but I think that our customers and users, or at least some of them, are worried about the amount of time they're spending on their device uh, or the distraction level of it. And so what we decided our role was is providing people the information and the controls that help them change their behavior. And we have a five-year-old, and that's a great technology, and we like it, although he's already, he wants me to give him the phone that doesn't have the time limit. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But the other issue is there's a lot of parents saying, we don't want our kids having any screen time. A lot of them here in the Valley specifically. Yeah. If we were to look at your controls, what would we find as far as your own personal screen time? You you would find uh, that I have a high screen time, as you would expect, because I communicate with a lot of users. uh, Several hours, right? But you would also find that if you looked at my trends over time, that my notifications are declining, the number of times I pick up a device are declining, and the only reason they are is because we built this uh, functionality into our operating system, and I now know what I was doing. How much do you worry about tech being used for evil? Technology is good or or evil, as you put it, depending upon the creator. And many times, it's not that the creator set out to do evil. It's that there wasn't an anticipation of these negative things that could be used for. We've been having kind of a national discussion on tech and privacy. You guys have been a very loud thing, you know, proponent of privacy, it fits in well with yeah. what you guys do. How concerning is it to you that even if it's other people's technology, Facebook, Google, whomever, it's happening still on your devices? You're the delivery device. 
uh, it's not that it fits in with what we do. It's that this is a core value of ours. If you look back over time, we were talking about privacy well before iPhone. And so we've always believed that privacy was at the core of our civil liberties. This is not a matter of privacy versus uh, profits or privacy versus technical innovation. That's a false choice. Uh, what, what we've done is your device has incredible intelligence about you, but I don't have to have all of that as a company. You don't directly have a big advertising business or make a lot of money off the data, but Google pays you on the order of billions of dollars a year to be the default search engine, and they do have that business. If you really want the user to be totally free, why take that money? Well, the, the, one, I think their search engine is the best, and that's, that's very important. But two, look at what we've done with the uh, controls that we built in. And so we have uh, private web browsing, right? We have an intelligent uh, tracker prevention. And so what we've tried to do is come up with ways to help our users through their course of the day. It, it is not a perfect thing. I'd be the very first person to say that. Uh, but it goes a long way to helping. So there's broad support for more federal regulation of tech. Do you think that's inevitable? Generally speaking, I am not a, a big fan of regulation. I'm a big believer in the free market. But we have to admit when the free market's not working. And it hasn't worked here. And I think it's inevitable that there will be some level of, of regulation. One of the technologies you've talked about is augmented reality. Yeah. What is it about AR that gets you really excited? You know, technology should amplify human performance and, and human experiences. And AR arguably does an unbelievable job at that. And I, th I think it's going to change everything. Oh. Hey. Good morning. Thank you so much for having us. No, of course. I heard you have something cool up your sleeve. Yes. So we are going to create our dream backyard. iScape was something developed by a landscaper in South Carolina. And after having to move his client's tree five times in their backyard and replant <laughs> it over and over, he said there must be a better way to let his clients visualize how they're going to actually do their landscaping. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and I can choose from trees, shrubs, flowers. There's hundreds of the different AR objects in here. But what's even better about this is I can actually change the time of day. Look at this. To see what the shadows are going to be. It also tells me how much sun I'm going to have on the garden itself. So if it's a bunch of flowers that really need a lot of sun, I can plan all of that out ahead of time. And this is kind of what you were talking about. It's not taking us out of our real world. Right. It's adding something in there. <laughs> you know, here we're planting flowers, but it's sometimes it's, you know, for kids in education, it's seeing a dinosaur come to life. Yeah, I was in Berlin a couple of weeks ago, and there was an app that a young developer had done there that placed the Berlin Wall oh, wow. back where it was. And so as someone studying the wall, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And it's a mix of something like this where you're imagining what reality and fantasy and like bringing things to life that weren't previously animate. That's right. I, I think in a few years, we're not going to be able to imagine our lives without it. It's that profound a platform. All right. So, uh, Joe, I really want to like Tim Cook. <laughs> you're having trouble getting over the hill? Uh, it... 
So it's complicated, right? Like, uh, you know, you see somebody like that. He wields a ton of economic power. Yes. Uh, and, you know, it, it, he has a whole host of personal desires and goals. But how much of his own personal desires and goals are part of what Apple's mission is? And when he's doing an interview like that, how much of what he says can you trust? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's always the question of how much do you believe in sort of the altruistic way that they frame what they are doing versus what are probably at least partially the real reason. So for example, uh, the privacy conversation, conversation, right? So Google makes the majority of their money off of search and of knowing everything about you and being able to serve exactly what you want when you want it, et cetera. Sure. So they're going to naturally by nature of what they do be less inclined to grant you amazing amounts of privacy. Sure. Apple sells hardware they do, primarily. Yeah. Now is, I know that, that, is that where they make most of their money? They're becoming a services company slowly, but it, 90% of their money, whatever, is selling iPhones and Macs and sure, sure. watches. So uh, privacy for them, it, they're not losing anything if they say, we're going to protect your privacy 100%. You know, there's, no, there's no real economic downside. Yeah, their right? incentive is to protect us for, in, order to, in order to make us feel safe about buying their equipment. Right. So... So do you believe it's the monetary incentive or do you believe that it's actually the Tim Cook and the people at Apple are trying to be altruistic or whatever? I think the truth is that, probably that's, that's somewhere probably in the middle. Up, yeah, that's a little bit up to all of us. Right. In our own heart of hearts. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think that the thing that makes Apple Apple is that they they understood like a both why they're doing something and the best way to publicly present it yeah um and that's a fair statement like you know when he talks about the technology uh, being good or evil based on the intent of the creator uh that part of the entire conversation really fell flat for me right Uh, because i think he's wrong i think he's he's wrong wrong too i I would use the example of dynamite right lay that one on me buddy uh you know uh alfred nobel created dynamite right uh and it was, you know, if you use it to remove rocks or to lay some railroad track or to uh, do some mountain mining or whatever. Or you cut a quarter of it off to make a loud noise. That's great. Yeah. It, you know, but if you use it as a bomb, that's sure. bad. And neither of those, even though uh, Nobel might uh, disagree because he created an entire prize out of the guilt he felt, <laughs> the fact of the matter is it's the user yeah. who actually decides whether or not a product is evil or good. The product itself has no real intrinsic uh nature yeah even if you like you can extend that out to any extend it out to guns or whatever a gun is really just an inanimate object do you want to wade into this right no, now? no i don't okay. and I have, this is not about like whether guns should be legal or not but like that's uh, the it's sort of the same hang argument on. Hang is on, it no. the user or the thing yeah so i think cook actually touches on this when he says that the free market did not decide correctly okay yes. um there, to my mind, there definitely needs to be a delineation between um, the technology that people create and our legislation of the technology that people create, sure. right? Because in the end, it's people that decide whether or not what we have made is something we want to keep around. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like, so if you look at laws against texting while driving, right? Prudent, this is totally reg- prudent regulation of cell phones, of smartphones, but yeah. I, for the benefit of everyone. You know, and although we may privately grouse because I suddenly want to check that text message when I'm in the car. Oh, for the fact of the matter is it's far safer if nobody is texting yeah, while I mean, driving. I mean, real talk, uh, we all still text in the car. Yes. Okay. We all still do it, even though it's probably a bad idea. How dare you, Joe? Even though it's definitely a bad idea. Right. And every time I do it, I know that I'm doing something wrong. Right. Yes. Like, and it's not because the law told me necessarily, but I'm glad that it is enshrined. No, in law. because you inherently know it's dangerous. Yeah. Everybody knows, or I guess not all of us know that our own behavior affects other people, but uh, everybody should know that our own behavior affects other people. Yes. And we need to be conscientious about what Especially we do. Especially when you people. drive a two ton automobile into their picnic. 
My car's not two tons. Okay. Well, yeah. that's good. That's very responsible of you. <laughs> to own a lightweight car? Yes. <laughs> this is amazing, by the way. Uh, so, you know, you, you listen to this conversation about... Uh, so, in the interview, they talk about uh, Google being delivered via the iPhone to everybody. Yes. And why they are doing that. And, and Tim Cook talks about our device controls and blah, blah, blah. The fact of the matter is, Google is offering them obscene amounts of money yes. to be on that platform. And, and again, it's uh, Cook says in his answer, he's like, well, first of all, it's the best. But and then he gives another reason. But again, it's this exact same thing. It's we have a large monetary incentive to do this. Also, it's the best. So both of these things agree. And while you may choose to highlight how many billions of dollars Google is paying us, we will choose to highlight that Google's search engine uh, is the one our users want to use. Uh, they're very good at sort of like splitting that difference. Uh, I thought the most interesting thing in the entire segment is after they go outside. And uh, they do the little demo of sure. the gardening app. And Cook says what's, uh, a, a very Tim Cook thing, which he said this multiple times, which is he sort of, sort of points to the transformational nature of the platform. Sure. Augmented reality will be a platform, and it's going to change things in a, a way. Yeah, I think, I think his exact quote was, um, we're, in a few years, we're not going to be able, to, be able yes. to imagine our lives without this technology. Yeah. And so this is obviously, this is the pre-hype for whatever uh, smart glass, whatever uh, smartphone tethered smart AR glass option Apple is going to be coming out with. Sure. Um, we did a, I was thinking about this the other day. We did a podcast over a year ago, I think, in which we discussed the HoloLens. Yes. And we talked about how the HoloLens was not planning to release a second version in 2018. They were going to jump ahead. They were going to wait till 2019. Yeah. And I remember taking the position distinctly that was insane. Yeah, I don't think it was. They were going to get passed and everything else. As we sit here, 2019 is one month away. Yes. And, and it's they right seem on time. very it's like smart right on in what time. they did. And it definitely feels like the industry as a whole has decided that 2020 is pretty much when is the beginning of the go time for that. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to get into a show that we're trying to do later, but no, screw it, I'll just mention it right now. Huawei is going to be releasing AR smart glasses right. probably next year, yes. or if not next year, the year after that. Trying to get in front of what's coming. Yeah. Um, and and I think that the key to this, and this is what I, this is really my point in relation to Apple, when Cook says that. Cook knows the iPhone roadmap, and he knows all of his product roadmaps. Yeah, he knows a lot more about it than we do. And he knows the chip roadmaps. And the fact of the matter is, to actually produce a device that anybody wants to use requires certain silicon... uh, So they might be feeling very confident about what they have available. They know what they are going to have in the iPhone two years from now. Yeah. Um, The rumor is next year's iPhone is the same as this year's iPhone. Yeah. Because whatever comes in 2020 is something different will be something different that's more equipped to handle this new thing and they won't be the only company by any stretch of the imagination sure. so he's kind of previewing uh something that is to come is that and, why is that why he started buzzing about it personally i think so yeah. i also think you do, you, to, do you think that tim cook really believes that ar is a transformational software yeah transformational yes. platform i think that in his office he's got things we don't see Okay. And he has at least seen some demos that he's been like, yeah, I get it. Okay, so you and I have been in the industry for a, uh, for a little while now. Um, and I've seen things that obviously other people haven't seen. Sure. Uh, probably the vast majority of people, considering the fact that only 5% of Americans will put on a VR headset yes, this right. year. Uh, again, a lead into a story from a later episode. True. Um, I, I, I can't believe they're so far ahead of you and me in terms of what they know is coming that it's going to transform our opinion of the augmented reality industry. No, I, I don't think that's true. I think they know they know the hardware side, right? 
and they know like so if we talked about well what what is this experience really what would what would be a, what would be a AR transform- glasses experience what, that we why don't we think why don't we just dig into that what is a transformational AR glass experience so, for you I mean because I know what it is for me I'll just tell you right now sure right um, you read a lot of fiction and the idea that your world basically becomes mundane and dull if you're not wearing the AR smart glasses right like you're not constantly bombarded with information that is relevant to you or you're not receiving. Or, or you're not experiencing entertainments that are impossible without augmented reality. I don't. I don't see that happening in two years. I just don't. Right. Yeah. I. Uh, if you go back and look, we just did the 10th anniversary of the iPhone. Uh, if you go back and look at the original iPhone, like the idea is all there. Yeah. And yet that thing is primitive compared to uh, what we have today. I mean, I remember driving around with my friend. He was. A, he had gotten one right after it came out. And we were driving around Washington D.C. and he was trying to do navigation. In DC, on the edge, that's not on easy. Two G Edge network, yeah, yeah. That AT and T launched the phone on, right? So you know, my uh, dad actually built that network. Did he really? Yeah, well, he's a part of that network. Yeah, so yeah. that that phone did not work. Like in DC at rush hour, like with the <laughs> with the volume of traffic, might, you might have had a bandwidth like, problem. Like yeah. it did not work. It just didn't work. But it was there, yeah. right? And I suspect that that's what we're going to see in twenty twenty is the real idea. To me, it's the glasses. I'm no, looking I, at you the, in the, your the, face right now, but with digital information. Uh, we've we've talked about this several times. The idea that there's an intermediary between us and people all the time, yeah. Right. Uh, so yeah. that that part's not like disturbing to me. But the idea when Tim Cook says uh, that we're not going to be able to imagine our lives without it, that seems a little grand it to d- me. It seems like hyperbole. But could you imagine your life without a smartphone? Yes, I fucking can. I had. I- I absolutely can imagine my I, life without a smartphone. I, I, I existed not. before one, and so did you. Uh, yeah, and it was horrible. And I it was not horrible. It, it was, was terrible. Joe. Joe, it was terrible. I, look, I, this is not like I a, had. I had whole minutes of boredom. This, yeah, this is not a rose-tinted glasses moment for me. Trust me. Okay, I think that the smartphone has absolutely brought more anxiety into my life than it really? has laid. Absolutely. Oh, I, I just, look. This is a topic for a personal podcast another time. Yes. But believe me, having this computer in my pocket is beneficial to me, but it also creates. You know, Tim Cook says that. I don't think the device creates anxiety, and that's bullshit. Okay, <laughs> I'll say it right here on the. I'll say it on the podcast right now. That is bullshit. All right, smartphones and the presence of social media married to you absolutely creates anxiety. I, I feel like you. I, there was mission creep there though, because the, you've included social media with smartphones. No, it's not mission creep. They're totally okay? separate things. Look, you can argue that a gun doesn't kill people, okay? Right? But that is its purpose, okay? Yes, that's the what the purpose it's made of for. the smartphone is communication. True, right? and not all communications are soothing. Pleasant that is or, true. Nece- or even necessary. All right. Socrates says, you know, think about three things before you say something. Is it true? Is it good? And is it useful? Okay. And so much of social media is none of those three things, but the volume of it is constantly amplified because it's an advertising tool. And all of these companies are making money by purchasing your data and advertising to you. They have an agenda to get information in front of you, regardless of whether or not you want it. So, uh, <laughs> So in your ideal world, the uh, the screen time feature that he has uh, introduced, really what you'd be doing is reducing your time by just getting rid of all the unwanted communication. Well, I mean, I've done that. You know, I've liquidated Facebook. I don't use Instagram. I have a Twitter that I never check. And basically, I am I am absolutely happier for not having those things in my life. So to a certain extent, he is correct. But in a totally different way, he's just dead wrong, okay? Like, Apple may not be interested in advertising to us, but everybody, everybody else, else that's dying to get onto their platform and that they enable 
Yeah. Okay. They enable them. They mm-hmm. they're they're giving Google the 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 time to mine my data and to yes. advertise to yes. me. Yes. I use a ton of Google apps on my phone, which means uh, when I tried to download my Google uh, data on me, it was 17 gigs. I which... won't. I won't. Oh man. I will not. <laughs> I will not deny that Google's offerings, as far as software go, are far superior for certain things. Sure. I don't know if it's worth the price. Yeah, I don't for either. Me, for me, I don't know if it's I, worth the price. I, I think we're gonna. I, I think that that will be an open question for a long time. Um, but uh, and, and the idea and the idea that like uh, all of these augmented reality platforms are also attached to all these other information gathering systems is troubling to me. Sometimes, other times, it's fine. You know, um, I I didn't. I never knew that I was gonna be the technophobe on this show. Yes, right? I know, right? <laughs> like, I'm absolutely an idealist when it comes to the future, technology, etc. I do believe that humanity gets better and better as we go. But there are all of these troubling things that come along with it. Yes. Um, and I think that they require vigilance, right? But and that's I'm, but that's true of everything in humanity. It's true, true. Yeah. And I tend to, I tend to, my natural disposition is to think things will turn out okay. Yeah. And so, all right, Pollyanna. It's it's true. It's they true. turn they turn out okay because people give a crap. But but so like so Cook thinks augmented reality will be a transformational uh, technology in the future that we will we'll never we won't believe we have. I, I won't say that he's wrong. Right. Um, and, and what I would say is we're, we got a segment coming up right after this in which we're going to talk to a person who a major company is using augmented reality right now to offer, you know, a change in the way they, they do things. Sure. So, and, if, and, and I think that <laughs> I'll jump ahead again because, oh, God damn it. <laughs> because the heartburn. Yeah. I'll jump ahead again. And, you know, I, th- Bob's app will add value. To customers, it absolutely will. Yes, there are always tools that are going to add value. My concern is, as always, that these tools can be subverted. Sure, yeah, sure. It's gonna. It will all depend on the user, not the creator. You're then you're okay. Then you and I are basically in agreement. We are okay, we are. and um, we're disagreeing with Tim. Sorry, uh, Tim. yeah, sorry, Tim Cook. Yeah, I, we, I know you. I know you're really upset. We, we have two we schmoes disagree with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, hey. Did we cover everything we wanted to cover here? I think so. I was trying to provide a segue into the next. Yeah, I know. I, I can cut into it li- yeah. later. I, I don't know. I was enjoying the conversation. Yeah, no, no, no. I went I, on. A, I went on a small rant, and I rarely. Well, that was, I rarely do that. No, so. that was good. That was. I just didn't know. Did we have anything? Like it felt like we had mined know, me, all of this. Let me, right? let me hit some show notes real quick. Um, yeah. Was there was there anything you wanted to talk about that we missed? I will say one thing about. Uh, I, I will say one thing about the presentation and the interview of their application. Um, you said while we were watching it that why isn't this their keynote? And yes. I, I totally agree with you, right? Like, I think that augmented reality is best when done outside of the home yes. or outside of a controlled environment. And I think it is in those places that it becomes truly uh, uh, transformative. Like, you, you see the guy, for for everybody who hasn't seen the, the interview, uh, we've got uh, links to the videos in the show notes. You can go check them out. Uh, but there's one of the one I'm assuming an Apple executive like reaches into the shot playfully like a kid, like he's you know like he's enjoying himself for once. Right on the Apple campus, I know they enjoy themselves on the Apple they campus, do. but it's still work. Can, can, can I just pause for one second? Yeah. My God, that thing looks amazing. Uh, you I, mean you mean the campus the, or the iPad? The building, the building, the building, and the campus. Just like the setting for their interview with that like lush greenery out the window, and then when they go outside and you're like, are they in a park? Oh no, they're just still at the Apple building. Like, uh, so. Amazing. Uh, when I was working on the Microsoft campus, their campus is also beautiful. Like, it, it, I, I think it's just a, a, the nature of large tech companies uh, to have really nice. The Northwest grounds. in general, yeah, too. definitely the Pacific Northwest, uh, and I guess by uh, extension, 
uh, Central California, Northern California, Northern yeah, California. Yeah, it's North. It's I always, no th- Cal. I always think when you get to Northern, and, and this my own, I've never lived there, so forgive me for being ignorant. But I love all of those to, places. When you get to San Francisco, you're sort of now becoming the Northern, uh, the yeah. I think the, that's like, I think it's the Southern you know, tip of NoCal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, but so uh, just one more point on that. Yes, when uh, the keynotes now, every keynote is the same. It's a dude in jeans and a button down standing on a black stage who's gonna like show you the latest products, and you're supposed to be sure, impressed, yeah. and that. That worked for years, yeah. but now everybody is doing it. And so what is the next thing? And I mean, could you picture a one-shot handheld hour presentation that takes place in that courtyard where they show off five different applications of augmented reality? Sure, where they just park, walk between yeah. them and whatever. It would Like be, an exercise run? It would be completely different. It would be eye-catching. It would get a lot of attention because they scrapped this iconic thing. And so don't be surprised if something like that actually happens. Yeah, I mean, it would be nice. Um <laughs> I do, since I harp so much about VR and people being isolated, uh, you know, in little in little pods, basically their homes. Yes. Uh, the idea of a technology that enables people to engage in digital uh, collaboration in open spaces—it's very attractive to me. Yeah, yeah. So that's great. Um... Today's guest is Scott Perry, who is the Vice President, Executive Director of Digital and Omnichannel Experience at Bob's Discount Furniture. Bob's operates 99 stores in 16 states and is ranked 12th in sales among United States furniture stores, according to Furniture Today. Scott has been involved in the internet and e-commerce since the infancy of the internet back in 1995, when he launched several furniture websites, including officefurniture.com and furnitureonline.com. He specializes in e-commerce, omnichannel, responsive websites, augmented reality, virtual reality, public speaking, the list goes on and on. So welcome, Scott. Thank you for being on the In Reality Podcast. Hey, no problem. Glad to be here. Um, so we, uh, uh, we want to talk about Bob's has launched a new uh, shopping app that features augmented reality. So why don't you just give us sort of the, uh, the rundown on what that app is like and, and how it works? Well, the app is a consumer-facing app. <clears throat> uh, currently, it's in the Apple iOS store. And in the, in the coming months, it'll be also available in Android. And what it does is it allows the customers to not only just kind of shop all of our furniture products, but it also allows customers to see our furniture in their house using augmented reality, uh, using MarkSent technologies, um, technology to kind of drive the AR experience. So customer can touch a button that says, view it in my room. And magically, the piece of furniture appears in the room to scale. And from that point, they can, you know, move the piece of furniture around in their room. They can see, you know, does it match my wall color, my carpet, my existing pieces of furniture or decor or window treatments? You know, how does it look in my home lighting environment? You know, you can really get a look. It's kind of like a try before you buy situation and also because it's to scale <clears throat> customers can see you know is it going to fit that spot on the wall that i want it to fit or does it look too big or too small or just right in my home hey scott uh so how long have you guys been interested in augmented reality you know i've i've uh i started at bob's in october of last year so i've been here for a little over a year now and it was one of the very first things i wanted to do here um, this is the second time I've deployed augmented reality uh, with a furniture retailer. Oh, hang on, hang on. For a... Yeah, when was the first time you did that? The first time I did this was a guy, I want to say it was about three and a half years ago. 
uh, at a retailer in Southern California, we launched an augmented reality program and it was great. You know, saw amazing results with it. So when I came over to Bob's, it was one of the first things that I wanted to do. What was the technology that you guys launched with three years ago? Like, how has it jumped? Well, you know, it was interesting. I actually wanted to do it five years ago. You know, I wanted to do it when I first started working for that other company. Uh, but the technology wasn't quite there yet um, as far as the hardware on the phones and also on the software side. And even, you know, <clears throat> creating 3D models wasn't quite, it just wasn't, all the pieces weren't ready to go. And so I finally, you know, after researching and looking, I found a small company in Israel called Sea Imagine. And they had an augmented reality application uh, that was mainly used so that uh, Coca-Cola salespeople could show you know, gas stations or convenience stores, what a machine would look like in their store. And I thought that was pretty cool. If they can adapt this to furniture, you know, then they could be someone that I could work with. So I had a couple conversations with these guys. Uh, one guy's name is Yoni and the other guy's name is Nir. And uh, they started See Imagine. <clears throat> so we had some conversations and we were able to kind of figure it out and make it work. So uh, kind of, you know, worked with them to help morph the technology to where it was really geared towards furniture. There was no real, quote, integration guide or way to, like, get it on the website or how do we connect the view in your room button to, you know, activate the app. So we had to kind of work through some of those details in the beginning, and I knew it would be, you know, a little bit of a, uh, you know, was, was learning it, for both of us. Was it still marker there? Was it still marker based <clears throat> at that point? I think Sim no, I think Sim I, I think Simagine had a markerless uh, okay. uh, technology at that point. Yeah, yeah, it was markerless technology, and they had a they had a room scanning and um, a surface detection that was pretty good for its time. Uh, you know, this is pre AR kit and right. AR core, so oh. it was it was pretty good for its day. Um, it would. It did have a room scanning, and it got it probably about ninety percent accurate to scale. You know, good enough to uh, you know kind of see what something's going to look like. Yeah, I'm actually. I'm so, pretty sure that technology is actually why uh, Snap picked up. I imagine because I know that Snap was using markerless tech in their uh, their augmented reality lenses or whatever. Yeah, that's exactly it. You know when, and so you know after working with them for a little while, Snap bought them. You know, Snapchat bought C Imagine. Um, and the rest is history. And then all the little cool things that you see in Snapchat now, you know, where you've got the little dancing guy or you've got, you know, the, the dancing piece of bacon, you know, whatever you want to, whatever you want to see in augmented reality inside that app is driven by the original, uh, C Imagine technology. So, so jumping off of that answer, uh, why, why was now the right time for Bob's to jump in and do an AR app? Well, the technology is as good as it's ever been. You know, it really is. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, there's there's multiple reasons. Uh, number one, you know, it's a conversion driver. It's a great customer experience. Um, it's It just, it shouts omni-channel, you know, the opportunity to have your furniture product inside of a customer's home. You know, that's kind of an intimate engagement, you know, when you're, 
when you're doing that. Uh, you know, it, it's a, you know, it's, it, and it's also an experience that we can give customers that not all of our competitors can. So it's, it's really, it's not only kind of a, wow, this is like a really cool, crazy thing I can do. It's highly, highly useful. It's probably one of the most useful adaptations for augmented reality in retail right now, you know, is furniture. Um, I, I predict, you know, it'll be, everyone will have it. It'll be an expectation of customers in a few years, you know, and the people that don't have it, it'll be like, well, why don't you have it? Everyone else does. It's, so it sounds like uh, sort of the, the main draw for Bob's was a combination of customer experience along with uh, sort of the actual utility mixed with this idea of you feel the market's going this way. So you wanted to get there first kind of thing. You know, so we want to provide the customer with all the tools, you know, any kind of tech that will help them make a, a decision and make a good decision, you know, make a decision they're going to be happy with. You know, we want, you know, we want them to be happy when they get that sofa home. You know, I've got a, I got a great story about this. You know, I have a friend who came up to me at a mutual friend's house when we were playing poker and he was going to buy a particular sofa. He had been in the store. He sat on it with, you know, him and his wife loved it. Like, this is the sofa that they're going to buy. And they went back home before they made the purchase. And they kind of measured and they're like, hey, let's look at it with the augmented reality app. So they put the perfect sofa that they had picked out in their environment and they didn't like it. You know, he said it just didn't look right in there. You know, it didn't quite match and, and the scale was a little bit different than we thought. Um, and so they picked a different sofa, you know, using the app, they found a better sofa that kind of matched what they needed. Then they went back to the store and they kind of sat on it and they, they chose that one. Now, had they not had that experience, uh, they probably still would have been, you know, reasonably happy, get the sofa home. Uh, but then maybe, you know, weeks or months down the road, they're like, well, it just doesn't quite, you know, fit and it doesn't look perfect or whatever. I mean, you know, we made the experience as good as it can be. I mean, this guy was, he was sold on that sofa. And then when he saw it in his home, he was like, yeah, not so much, you know, and then he ended up finding something and, and had a very satisfying experience. One of the big advantages of AR uh, is uh, decreased returns or just better increased satisfaction on the back end because uh, the, the customer feels like they've already seen the piece in their house. And so when it shows up, that's, true. Uh, that's exactly know. right. You know, and I think when a customer is engaging with your brand in that kind of way, you know, there's almost like a subconscious commitment to your brand. Um, to talk a little bit about the process you guys went through in adopting AR for an e-com app. Like, it's sort of, how long does that take? I mean, I, you don't, you can be as specific or non as you want, but I'm just sort of looking for, you know, what's that process like as the company goes from, we've heard of this thing, AR, oh, maybe we should use that too. Now it's actually in an offering. I think, you know, it was important to me to get the best tech there was possibly available you know um there there's other companies that kind of offer it but we we chose to go with Markcent because of you know the tech itself you know the tracking mechanism uh the realism of of the models themselves they're all high poly count um so you know and also we could adapt these same 3d models into a 3d room planner and also like a 3d spin on a desktop computer so we could you know, the models had legs to them. 
it wasn't just a single use case application. We were, we were able to kind of leverage these things for synthetic photography or do whatever else we want to do with them. So that was that was an important thing to me um, in kind of going through the process. And then, you know, once we kind of, you know, and I had a prior relationship uh, with with these guys. And, you know, once once we kind of started talking, we had, you know, multiple meetings and looked at the investment level. Uh, we made a business case, you know, which is something you have to do is, you know, what's the what's the expectation around a listing conversion rate? And what's a realistic expectation for a decrease in return rate and customer satisfaction? And you kind of put all that stuff on a spreadsheet and, and compare to, you know, what the expense of a program like this is and the time and energy internally that it takes. And then you make a decision, you know. Some of the things that you can't put in a spreadsheet is that, you know, brand perception, you know. Uh, when somebody sees a TV commercial that talks about, you know, Bob's Discount Furniture, Augmented Reality app, and they see it in action, you know, that you can't measure that. That's 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 a, a high value thing that you just can't put on a spreadsheet. But we, me- we measured and kind of analyzed what we could, uh, you know, and then made a decision that we're going to go for so, it. So uh, is it the case in your estimation that the tech is ready for mass adoption? Yeah, it is. It's amazing how far it's come in a short amount of time. And I can only imagine, you know, where it's going to go. It's going to only get better and better. You know, models will be faster and even more realistic as time goes on. Uh, I think the, the cost will continue to go down as 3D models become, you know, kind of more commoditized. You mentioned uh, one of the things that really attracted you to the Markson solution was that the 3D models had legs that you could use them in lots of different ways. Um you know, that had a huge. That was a big factor for me. I, I, I'm not asking for your whole product roadmap, but so do you already have sort of other visualization plans in the future? Like, is, a, is VR on the horizon? Like, what are you thinking? Well, we do have a 3D room planner <clears throat> that we're going to soft launch in a couple of weeks. You know, leveraging those same 3D models, and that'll be on our website that anyone can get to on a desktop computer. You know, they'll be able to kind of use, use those same models and you know, change the color of their floors. You know, there's many times, you know, a big thing that causes people to buy furniture is either remodeling or you want to freshen up your home that you've lived in for a little while. But another big driving factor is people moving. And sometimes, you know, when you're when you're planning out your space, you're not in your space. You know, so it's kind of hard to use an augmented reality solution in that case. So having a 3D room planner where you can sit there and draw out your room and place furniture in it and get a good look of what that room is going to look like and kind of plan, you know, for when you move into that apartment or you move into that new condo or house. You know, that's that's where a 3D room planner really comes in handy. All right, so uh, I'm, this will be the last question, and it's going to go back to you've mentioned branding a couple times and sort of like uh, you know attracting customers to your brand and and keeping them loyal. Um, I know uh, Little Bob is a huge part of sort of your branding, uh, and you guys managed to get Little Bob into the app, which is cool. Uh, oh yeah. So th- <laughs> this, I'm, this is going to sound maybe like a joke, but I'm a hundred percent serious. How long until Little Bob is like an AI enabled avatar that guides shoppers through your e-com experience? You know, I'm not sure that I'll go that far, 
Okay. Um, you know, we do. <laughs> That's my dream, Scott. I want, go, <laughs> I want, I want little I know, Bob to you know, guide me. You know what I would like to do? I'd like to have a little mini game inside of the app, like a temple run with little Bob jumping around. You know, that'd oh, be kind of fun. You mean, you mean sort of like an Easter egg? Yeah. But like a game inside the app. My seven-year-old plays a lot of those free-run games, uh, uh, you know, Ninja Run, and there's a Spider-Man one, et cetera. I could see how Little Bob would easily be adapted to that, actually. Sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it would be hilarious to, to have something like that. Do you have any other great game ideas for Little Bob? Do you want to do, like, Little Bob Grand Theft Auto or Little Bob uh, Spider-Man 2? We do not want Little Bob in Fortnite. Why not? Keep him away from the Battle Royal. That's not right. <laughs> I, I just want to say thank you. Thank you, Scott. This was great. Uh, we really sort of appreciate the insight and, uh, you know, just like what goes into launching an AR app. So, yeah, it's always nice to have people who know a lot more about our industry about us than us on. Yes. I appreciate it. So thank you. and uh, Thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good weekend. You too. You too. Thank you.